Welcome to the Locked On Islanders Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope everybody is safe and well right now. And uh, lots of news to discuss. We are going to look at the latest news uh, coming from the NHL and discuss its impact on the continuation of the season. We will also discuss a little bit later on in the show why the Islanders will probably be a fairly attractive location for potential free agents this offseason, whenever that actually does officially begin. And, of course, we'll have this date in Islanders history and a whole lot more. So, lots to talk about. If you have a question or a comment, something you'd like us to discuss, please feel free to send us an email. The email address, as always, LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. And if you leave your name and where you're from, we're happy to mention you on the air as we discuss your question, topic, or comment. So, uh, that's always a good thing. You could follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Isles. You could follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at Ice Wars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I. And we'll keep you up to date on all the latest news uh, from around the National Hockey League. And, of course, most specifically, the latest Islanders news as it happens. Also, uh, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a five-star rating on your podcatcher of choice and leave a comment or a review. Uh, That will help other Islander fans find the podcast. And also, please feel free. Tell your family members, tell your friends uh, about the Locked On Islanders podcast. Okay, first bit of news that happened yesterday on uh, Tuesday. The NHL has another hurdle to sort of overcome before... Uh, play can resume, the city of Toronto uh, made an announcement that permits for all major events will be canceled through the end of June, that's June 30th, because of the coronavirus outbreak. Now, Mayor John Tory of Toronto made that announcement, and he later clarified in an interview on Sirius XM's NHL channel, that the ban does not currently affect sporting events. It only affects parades and festivals where you need a permit. Now, the quote is, city events don't require permits, but the mass gathering order was issued by the province and they would need to support that aspect. Now, the province of Ontario 
banned gatherings of more than five people back on uh, March 28th. So that was just a few days ago. And look, at the end of the day, what we're talking about here is that if you can't have a game in Toronto uh, and the Maple Leafs are unable to field, you know, play any home games there, do they look elsewhere to play home games? Would they be allowed to play home games in an empty arena? Or is it just looking more and more unrealistic to think that the NHL can return, mostly because, again, not being able to have a gathering uh, in Toronto, the media capital, biggest city in Canada, how does that, you know, affect things? Obviously, if we're talking about June 30th, that would mean no Maple Leaf home games until then if uh, the the uh, province of Ontario does not lift the ban of five or more people getting together. Look, you got six players on each team in a hockey game, plus you have your two referees, two linesmen, uh, you need your off-ice officials, you need, look, you got to have a, a minimum even if you're playing in front of an empty arena, uh, you got to have a Zamboni driver. You got to have some people there to fix and maintain the ice. You're talking about a minimum, of, let's say, of 50 to 100 people. Uh, well, look, there's almost 50 players. You're talking about a minimum of 100 people to get together just to put a game on the ice. And that in and of itself, not an easy thing uh, to have happen when the uh, province of Ontario, and that'll affect, obviously, the Ottawa Senators as well, not going to have gatherings of five or more people for the foreseeable future. So, we have to see what happens. This obviously affects other sports as well. You're talking about, you know, Toronto has the Raptors in the NBA. They have Toronto FC in the, uh, in Major League Soccer. They have the Blue Jays in, uh, baseball, they also have the Argonauts in the CFL. Baseball and the CFL have yet to begin their seasons. Not sure, you know, when and if they'll be able to do that. But certainly it places another obstacle in front of the National Hockey League when, you know, they basically say we want to resume play. So... You know, it, it just becomes another hurdle that the NHL is going to have to get past if and when they hope to resume. Now, again, it does not mean that you can't have a Maple Leafs home game uh, before July 1st. That's not what it means. And obviously, you know, this kind of an edict is always subject to change. But as of right now, it is yet another hurdle. And look, uh, Toronto, if the season ended now, would be in the playoffs. The Islanders, uh, unlikely to face the Maple Leafs, because if the Islanders make the playoffs, they would either be a wild card or a play-in team, assuming the regular season would end now. If the NHL tries to continue the regular season, then, you know, maybe they have to start July 1st. But having Toronto make this decision certainly uh, makes it a little bit more difficult 
for the Islanders and the rest of the NHL to get things going once again. And hopefully, you know, we will see hockey soon, but you get the feeling a little bit more and more each day that it is possible that we just scrap this season and head toward next season. We don't know. NHL hasn't said anything like that yet. We're hopeful there can still be hockey, but we take it one day at a time uh, as we all deal with the unknown with the coronavirus pandemic. All right, we're going to take a step aside. When we come back, we'll have this date in Islanders history, and we'll talk a little bit about free agency and why this offseason, whenever it actually officially gets underway, the Islanders will probably be an attractive location for potential free agents more than ever before. We'll talk about that right after this. All right, we are back here at the Locked On Islanders podcast. Let's talk a little bit about free agency and why the New York Islanders probably more than ever are going to be an attractive location for free agents if they're looking to find a a good place to play in 2020-2021. And we still aren't sure when free agency this offseason is going to begin. We don't know whether teams will be able to do medical exams to see if these players are healthy and ready to play. We don't know whether or not this layoff uh, in play, the suspension of the season, will adversely affect the salary cap and how much money NHL teams have to spend next season. But putting all of those unknown things aside, if you look at it, Overall, I think the New York Islanders are looking more and more like a a destination that free agents would be interested in checking out. And I, I think, first of all, you have to look at the fact that the arena situation has finally been put to rest. Next year, we know that the Islanders will play all of their home games at the Nassau Coliseum. No longer will the practice arena be in Uniondale and some games in Brooklyn and some games across the street from the practice arena at the Nassau Coliseum. From now on, morning skate, practice, all going to be in the same location. And that certainty is a positive because hockey players, like most athletes, are creatures of habit. And they want to have that pregame routine. They want to be able to take, you know, after the morning skate and before a game, there's usually a pregame nap and a pregame meal. And you want to be able to have that routine. So the fact that you have that all in place right now, arena certainty, one arena next season and one, you know, and a new arena coming the season after that, again, it just puts the Islanders in a positive position. Uh, And the new arena will have state-of-the-art facilities, and that certainly can help attract some potential free agents. The other thing I think you have to look at is the management team. And there is no doubt that when you take a Stanley Cup winning coach like Barry Trotz and a Hall of Fame general manager in Lou Lamorello, and you put those two together, you are sincerely talking about 
uh, a situation where if a player signs with the Islanders, they know beyond the shadow of a doubt that they are going to an organization run by proven winners who know how to build a team, who know how to win Stanley Cups, who are, you know, look, how consistently has Lou Lamorello been a winner throughout his career as general manager of the Devils and then, you know, working in Toronto and all of that. He has been a consistent winner. He has taken teams and molded them into not just contenders, but Stanley Cup champions. Barry Trotz, how many seasons in a row have his teams exceeded expectations, gone to the playoffs? One, they've won a Stanley Cup. They have been consistent winning franchises. They know the formula. They know it works. And that has to give teams confidence. And then I think when you examine it further, the young talent on this Islanders team is also something that will help attract potential free agents. And that's a good thing. You look at a a player like Matthew Barzal, and his best hockey is realistically still ahead of him. He is 20 years old. And look, the Islanders have said, beyond the shadow of a doubt, Lamarillo, you know, since play has been suspended, he basically said, hey, uh, there is no doubt we would match any offer sheet for Matthew Barzal. So you look at the way this is all set up and... The Islanders have a young base with Bovillier and Barzal and a potential, uh, you know, goaltending duo all set. You, you know, Varlamov is a proven, consistent winning goaltender, a quality starter in the NHL. And then you have Ilya Sorokin, who, although it hasn't been finalized yet, uh, is, you know, is considered the best goalie outside the National Hockey League and is expected at this point, according to Lou Lamorello uh, in recent interviews, Sorokin is expected to come to North America and join the Islanders for the 2020-2021 season. If you have a goaltending duo of Sorokin, who's expected to be, you know, outstanding, and Varlamov, You've got two, you know, one one and one A goaltenders that could start for many, many teams in this league. So, you know, you have the young players up front, you have the two goaltenders, you have the management team, and you have arena certainty. And you put all that together, and you've got reasons why free agents would be interested in coming to Long Island. And and I could add another one. Uh, you come to the Islanders and you really have the best of both worlds in this way. You can live near New York City. You are part of the New York media market. But you also have the benefit of living in the suburbs, living in a more quiet atmosphere. So You know, look, if you want to live in the city or Brooklyn, you can do that and commute out to Long Island for games and be there in, you know, 20, 30 minutes, depending on where you end up living. If you prefer living 
in a more quiet, suburban kind of atmosphere, or, you know, some of these players certainly can buy houses in very, or rent houses in very upscale, nice areas that are almost, you know, rural in some ways, you know, where the houses are very spread out and you don't even need to see your neighbor kind of a thing. You got a lot of land. You have the best of both worlds. You can you can be near a big city and have all the cultural advantages of that, but you could live in a quieter area and not be the center of the media media's attention in the world of sports. So add that formula to the overall situation uh, with the young core that this team has, with the solid goaltending, arena certainty, and a brand new arena coming, and a great general manager slash, slash coach who both are proven winners, and you could see why coming to the New York Islanders should be an attractive thing for potential free agents. And what we're talking about here, more than anything for the Islanders, whether it be via trade or via free agency, is to add one or more bona fide 30-goal scorers because that is the missing piece of the puzzle to make the Islanders elite contenders. Right, you know, in 1980, they needed Butch Goring. He was that second-line center slash penalty killer, veteran leadership kind of a guy. And that was the difference maker. Now, this team, more than anything, needs a couple of really reliable goal scorers. And if you could add that in free agency or a trade, but players would be eager to come here, it makes it a lot easier for the Islanders to improve the team going forward. So some reasons for optimism there as we take a little sneak peek at what, you know, free agency might mean for the New York Islanders. All right, we're going to step aside when we return. We've got this date in Islanders history, and I promise you it's no April Fool and a whole lot more. So more to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Islanders podcast. Time for this date in Islanders history. We take you back to April 1st, 1998 at the Nassau Coliseum. Islanders hosting the Tampa Bay Lightning. Back then, two struggling teams, the goaltenders in this one for Tampa Bay, Zach Burke while the Islanders countered with Wade Flaherty. And this game was a physical game, a lot of uh, extracurricular activity to say the least, and a scoreless first period, a double high-sticking minor on Carl Dykhouse of Tampa Bay late in the period, uh, sort of starting to set the tone as the Lightning were playing physical, uh, a minute and 45 seconds earlier than that, Louis DeBrusque was off for interference. Islanders had a long, extended power play, but were not able to cash in on the opportunity. In the second period, though, the Islanders finally do score on the extended power play. Marius Tchaikovsky, his 10th from J.J. Daniel and Brian Burrard at 54 seconds, and the Islanders had a one to nothing lead. Then, 
the fisticuffs come in the second period. At 4.55, Tampa Bay's Darcy Tucker, who in a few years would prove to be a Islander fan favorite, and I'll put that in air quotes when he was with Toronto, uh, drops the gloves with Ray Schultz of the Islanders. Then a little bit later in the period, 13.36 to be exact, couple of heavyweights, Louis DeBrusque of Tampa Bay, dropping the gloves with the Algonquin enforcer, Gino Ojik of the Islanders. They each get five for fighting at 13.36, but after four minutes of play, it's still, a 40 minutes of play rather, it's still the Islanders won and the Lightning nothing. Then it's the Islanders' turn to get into a little bit of power play problems there. Uh, in the third period, Claude Lapointe heads off for holding at 7.48. Islanders shorthanded, but Trevor Linden comes up with a shorthanded goal, his 14th assist to Ziggy Palfi and the goalie, Wade Flaherty at 9.15. Islanders increase their lead at that point to 2 to nothing. The Islanders then take another penalty. Jason Daw off for obstruction hooking at 10.51. Tampa Bay back on the power play, and again, it's the Islanders who cash in. Trevor Linden again, his 15th goal of the season. Again, the assist to Ziggy Palfi, and it's 3-0 Islanders. Time of the goal, 12.04, so back-to-back lightning power plays back-to-back shorthanded goals by Trevor Linden, and it was a 3 to nothing lead for the Islanders. The Islanders put the cherry on the Sunday at 14-31. Marius Tchaikovsky, his second of the game, 11th of the season, unassisted, and the Islanders skate away with a 4 to nothing win over the Tampa Bay Lightning. Now, more fighting after the Islanders took that 4 nothing lead. Uh, Louis DeBrusque again dropping the gloves, this time with Zdeno Chara. You don't want to fight Zdeno Chara, even back then when he was a teenager. Uh, the reach and the power that Z had, even as a 19 or 20-year-old, was pretty tough to match, so DeBrusque certainly had his hands full. Those two dropped the gloves at 14.04, and then with just... Six seconds left in the game. Sandy McCarthy of the Lightning and Rich Pilon of the Islanders dropping the gloves. So lots of penalty minutes, needless to say, uh, in this one. There were 60 penalty minutes in all, 30 exactly, for each team. Two goals for Linden, two goals for Tchaikovsky, Ziggy Palfi with two assists, and for Wade Flaherty, his first shutout as an Islander, the second shutout of his NHL career, 25 saves to earn that shutout, and he added an assist just for good measure, and interesting, you know, a lot of Islanders players in this game did not see a lot of ice time. Uh, Ken Belanger, only on ice for 4 minutes and 27 seconds. Claude Lapointe on for 6 minutes, 53 seconds. Gino Ojik, 6.01. And Ray Schultz, 6.58. So Mike Milbury, who had taken over at this point as interim head coach, 
not playing his fourth line all that much and basically going with his top line a lot more. Kenny Johnson led the Islanders with 29 minutes and three seconds of ice time. As far as shots on goal were concerned, three Islander players had four to lead the team. Brian Berard, Kenny Janssen, and Ziggy Palfi. They each had four. And at plus minus, Trevor Linden and Ziggy Palfi, each a plus three. Rich Pilon was a plus two for the Islanders. So the Islanders skate away with a shutout win. And uh, Wade Flaherty gets it done. And, you know, Flaherty kind of was a fill-in that year. Uh, But this was unquestionably his best season uh, in the NHL. He played 16 games for the Islanders that year. Went 4-4-3, but look at these stats. A 1.99 goals against average and a 9.26 save percentage. Three shutouts in 16 games, and yet he only won four games all year. These were not uh, great Islanders teams. I mentioned Mike Milbury was the interim coach. He had fired Rick Bonus uh, about 10 games earlier. But the Islanders do skate away with the victory and keep their slim playoff hopes alive on this date in Islanders history, April the 1st of the year 1998. All right, that's going to do it for us right here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. Please, everybody, keep on practicing your social distancing. Don't go out if you don't have to. Stay safe. And look, Islander fans are the best. We help each other through these difficult times. And we here at the Locked On Islanders podcast will be here every weekday, Monday through Friday, to talk Islanders hockey, look back at some of the great Islander teams and moments from the past, look forward and analyze this current Islanders team. So this wraps up this edition of Locked On Islanders. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NHL for a national perspective on the world of the National Hockey League. Have a great day, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow, and let's go Islanders.